You're listening to Chicago Writes, a podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. On this episode of Chicago Writes, story structure with Chili Dog MVP co-author David Fletcher. But first, a few announcements from our CWA calendar. On Saturday, April 15th, 2023 at 1 p.m., join CWA Presents host Sandra Colbert for a conversation with the founder of the Chicago International Film Festival, Michael Kutza, about his memoir, Starstruck, How I Magically Transformed Chicago into Hollywood, for more than 50 years. CWA Presents takes place at Columbia College's Ferguson Hall, 600 South Michigan, in Chicago. This event is free and open to the public, but you must register to attend, and masks are required. Thank you for making this year's Let's Just Write an Uncommon Writers Conference an uncommon success. This year's event sold out, but don't worry, we're coming back strong next year in 2024. Can't wait? There is also CWA Presents and the CWA Education Series with great informative programs all year long. CWA is on a mission to become the very best writers conference. Please let us know what you liked and how we can continue to improve at info at chicagorights.org or visit chicagorights.org. Don't forget to check out our education page at chicagorights.org. Registration is now open for the CWA Education Series. Coming up on Saturday, April 15th, 2023, Creating Unforgettable Characters with award-winning author Kristen Oakley. This is a free event, but registration is required for all Education Series programs as space is limited. On Saturday, June 10th, 2023, join award-winning writer and educator Tim Storm for Story Structure and Editing. What is the basic structure of your story, or any story, and how can an editor help you discover it? What does an editor do, and when do you need to hire one? And on Saturday, September 23rd, 2023, what makes a successful website for authors with Celeste Anton of Dandelion Web Marketing? Sessions range from complimentary to $20 per session. Registration is required for all sessions. Paid sessions are $15 for members and $20 for non-members. Learn more about each session on the education page at chicagorights.org. And our website, chicagorights.org, is a resource for your writing success as well. Chicago Writes offers tools and a wealth of information to help you become the writer that you were meant to be. Check out our blog with tips and insights on the art and business of writing, by some of Chicago's best-known writers, like marketing tips, the importance of networking, where and how to find better readers, the pros and cons of indie publishing, the art of misdirection, how to keep your readers on their toes, and so much more, 24-7, 365 days a year, at chicagorights.org backslash blog. And now my conversation with David Fletcher. On July 31st, 1972, Dick Allen became the first player in baseball's modern era to hit two inside-the-park home runs in one game, solidifying the White Sox 8-1 victory over the Minnesota Twins. Allen's hard-hitting batting style helped him become the league's most valuable player in 1972. He is still spoken of reverently by Southside fans who credit Allen with saving the franchise for Chicago, which was rumored to be headed to a new home in St. Petersburg, Florida, or Seattle, Washington at the time. His powerful swing sent home runs deep into some of old Kaminsky Park's 
farthest reaches. Authors David Fletcher, John Owens, and George Castle are the authors of the critically acclaimed Chili Dog MVP, Dick Allen, The 72 White Sox, and A Transforming Chicago. Chili Dog MVP was a runner-up in a tough field for this year's Book of the Year awards from the Chicago Writers Association. That would be enough to have David Fletcher on the podcast But in an age of artificial intelligence, David has constructed a story structure template streamlining his writing process. He is here to talk with us about that story structure. Welcome, David. Well, it's nice to be here, and I appreciate the kind words, William, about about the book that uh, John and I, George, put together. Uh huh. And we, by the way, we're, we're going to link to that in the in the notes to, to help you guys along a little bit. It's it's a great book. How's the book doing, by the way? Um, doing well. I mean, we you okay. know have uh, continuous have sales, and uh, uh, you know, as a, you know, a independent publisher has a little bit more uh-huh. difficulty getting stuff out in bookstores, but the um, ebooks doing well. Uh, just continues to to sell, and good. We're promoting it, and you know, we're already thinking about a, a second edition. Uh, so we have some things to add to it. That's all the battle, and we're going to get into that second edition here. Uh, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of set the stage with some with some industry details and some facts about the uh, uh, about story structure um, before we jump into your specific story structure. But please tell us a little bit about Chili Dog MVP. Well, it's a uh, it's a story that needed to be told because it was. Again, as you gave us in a nice introduction, uh, Dick Allen and his teammates were a pivotal part of the history on the South Side. Oh. There wouldn't be a 2005 World Series at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field uh, if it wasn't for that team to keep it in Chicago. So mm-hmm. it, it celebrates that team but it, it, as a collective, but the main character is Dick Allen, who was a transformative agent um, because he was the first really black superstar of the South Side. We had yeah. Minnie Minosa before, who was more, you know, a Latin African player. Uh, but Dick was the first African American, mm-hmm. really ignited the fan base and, and drew all sorts of minorities to to Comiskey Park. And and he made it fun again. I always like to say that he was Michael Jordan before there was Michael Jordan. Oh, and all right. that's how much impact he had. I have a soft spot for that season in my heart. That was the first, that was the first Sox game or this first Sox season uh, that my dad ever took us to uh, in, in the old Kaminsky park and that old park, that original park will forever be Kaminsky park to me. Do you sort of feel the same way or. Well, you're talking about the new parks, you know, it started out as the new park and then became uh, U.S. and guaranteed rate. Yeah, I still prefer what his original name was going to be. I I understand all the naming rights stuff like that, but it, it's an historical name, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I wish it was still honored that way. Yeah. Uh, so the book is is very much like another brilliantly written book by a previous Book of the Year award winner, uh, David Rapp, called "Tinkers and Evers and Chance: The Chicago Cubs and the Dawn of Modern America." You weave in the world and history giving a broader context or a proper context to your sub to, to your subject am i right on that yeah you're correct i mean that's sort of the was done planned ahead to yeah. follow that expanded wide version not just a baseball book it's it, it's much more and we thought that it was important for us to tell mm-hmm. A story that was 50 years old in the context of the times. Yeah. And I had the perspective because I was on the dawn of my college career. I was graduating from high school and going uh-huh. on to the University of Hawaii to be, start pre-med. So I had that perspective of, of you know, this was the start of my you know career and that transition and exciting times. It was in the end of the 60s, early 70s. It was a very transformative era. Yeah. And, and, and baseball was sort of a metaphor. Uh, for the city at that time. And I think that's what we really tried to to capture that uh, because Dick was such an exciting player and he brought all nationalities, minorities back to, 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 to the stands and, and all the animosity was built up in the city you know, after the 60s and early 70s. He went away for a few hours at Comiskey Park. Yeah. And it made for a very exciting time. 
It was a great season. Um, okay, so please bear with me here uh, for just a moment because there are some details and information that I think are important in the lead up to talking about your story structure template. It's no coincidence that in a time when there's over 4 million self-published and commercially published books that are published annually, that the marketplace would react, namely in tools uh, for, and products for writers, from book binding to print on demand, book marketing, self and boutique publishing. We have Grammarly and Word has a number of advanced features like spell check, but there's also grammar correction within that. Um, or within within later uh, um, generations of of word uh, for this piece, it, it highlighted my use of an rather than than ah. Open AI unveiled GPT four this week, and Reedy.com offers AI novel generator that promises to quote generate a, a unique book with Reedy's advanced AI, which uses machine learning technology. Our generator can impose or can compose uh, a competing ninety thousand word novel in a matter of seconds. Subscribers can choose from a twist ending, fast pacing, uh, or inspired by true events categories. And by the way, none of this is, is an endorsement. Novel AI is a monthly subscription service for AI based authorship, storytelling, virtual companionship, uh, or simply GPT powered sandbox for your imagination quote our artificial intelligence algorithms create human-like writing based upon your own enabling anyone regardless of ability to produce quality literature for a subscription fee they offer quote unprecedented levels of freedom with their natural language processing playground by by using our own ai models trained on real literature the ai seamlessly adapts to your input maintaining your perspective and style unquote I don't want us but uh, I, I don't want us to lose sight of the author's most valuable investment and and I'd love your feedback on this David time in a project and expertise in in a subject that comes with that time and the craft of writing in your particular voice right? Correct. I mean, I mean, I'm well aware of those uh, new developments, technology, and the belief yeah. that they replace us humans and, and and produce you know quality literature. It can try. Uh, and it can be a try, and I think you're losing the human imagination and the creativity that's I think difficult to capture. Mm -hmm. And I have not seen how they're due on uh, on doing research, especially something that requires a lot of historical research. Mm -hmm. And how do they get you know? In, in, in our particular book and our style of our books that we are are producing now is how do they get in the interview subjects that are so important yeah. to give life to a story and I think that's going to be challenging uh so I mean I'm seeing the you know possibilities of that with medicine as a mm -hmm. practicing physician you know struggling every day you know I write probably type of my practice because I'm in work do workers comp I probably write every day at least 10,000 words minimum wow wow I have to I mean I just I have to describe stuff yeah. so if, if it can provide me some help but that's a little bit more straightforward to a creative spark especially especially I think a nonfiction book where you have to really put the energy and you have to reflect on it and and so <laughs> I think what I enjoyed the most of the the feedback I got about the book was how well researched it was and that it was current. This wasn't a newspaper clip job. You know, we had approximately 40 some 40 some interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, we had all sorts of fresh material with meticulously researched it. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I had a personal relationship with the main character. It was a pallbearer at his funeral. Uh, many of the main characters I had personal relationships with, and I was able to use that um, personal connection. I think that mm -hmm. no uh, computer-generated artificial intelligence could ever do. Uh, so you so, knew Dick uh, Allen? Yes, very well. Well, really, I, I met him in 2012. Uh huh. Uh, I, did this, I did this tribute for him. Uh, we brought him back to Chicago to sort of give him the thank you that 
that he needed. And so that was the start of our relationship and that he was just overwhelmed how it was. So he came back for twice in June of 2012. And so I was with him six or seven days and, you know, got to be really close to him. And, oh, there's even some some strange stuff. He had a, he was suffering from atrial fibrillation, so he didn't bring yeah. his medication. So I ended up writing him a prescription. So here I'm picking up a prescription for somebody <laughs> that, that I admired when I was a teenager. So, yeah, I got to Because he picked the right friend. Yeah, well, he was just really a special person. He was very much misunderstood. It's sort of like, you know, again, getting back, I don't think AI could, could create this, is that, you know, he was somebody who was a big hero to me when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. And I still yeah. have, to, to this day, in 2023, next to my bedroom is his famous Sports Illustrated cover. It's just something that's been significant for me in my entire life. And so... I actually was better to meet him as a real person and get to know him. Mm. It, it fit a lot better how complicated he was. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, because of that personal relationship, I was very trusted by the family. I was the only one that he invited from Chicago to come back for his retirement number just before he died in September 20 in Philly. Mm -hmm. so it was nice to sort of be that Chicago person that was special to him. His widow has invited me to, they're doing a, a Dick Allen tribute at the Phillies on the June 9th and bobblehead, and they want me there. And so, you know, again, I'm going to represent Chicago for that event. Wow. Well, was that the, was that the impetus or the, or the start for, or the inspiration for, for writing the book or, or what, when did that happen? You know, I had started this uh, baseball museum project that never panned okay. out. I'm okay. on it. But it was um, was worthwhile in that it allowed me to meet a lot of different people. And that's kind of how I got close to Roland Heeman. I got to know him about in, in 2002. And because of that relationship, we became very close. And, um, you know, he just always you know talked about how Dick never got his due. And, you know, there should be a statue there. Wow. So he encouraged me to uh, to do something. And so I took his encouragement and uh, I didn't get any help from the from the White Sox to do it. I mean, they did. A, they did, you know, co-host our event at, their, mm -hmm. at the park and we had a day for him and stuff like that. But it was something I initiated. So the, the book, I, I had thought about something beforehand, but obviously after. We brought several of the teammates of his back. We started then to to, to look at, at at doing a book. And I really thought that I needed to do it right. And I wanted to wait mm -hmm. for the 50th anniversary to really have a reflection. And, and I also was, you know, hoping that Dick would get in the Hall of Fame. And so that didn't happen. So I was with him, son, Doobie in San Diego. And then also recently in 2021 at in, in Orlando. It was this disappointment. Mm. So how did how did John Owens and George Castle uh, become involved in in what seems like a really deeply personal project? Well, it was personal, but it was it was also personal to John sure. as an African American who grew up in Bronzeville, who's okay. a little younger than me, who understood what it was like to be an African-American on the South side. Oh, interesting. And and so we had worked before in a few other projects uh, going back from like 2003. And we just had a really good um, working relationship. We did a really successful mm -hmm. documentary on Buck O'Neill called Buck O'Neill and Black Baseball in Chicago mm -hmm. that, that uh, won some awards and we presented it, presented it at the Cooperstown um 2010 for the baseball film festival so we had a working relationship that we had a lot of projects and that's sort of the genesis of future things together a lot of similar interests and i think a lot of people really liked the fact this was a you know white suburban kid and a and, and, a, and a black kid from bronzeville uh -huh. together a, a, a book and, and i think most people see the voice is pretty much the same there you know and we and we you know i mean we we each wrote about half the chapters um okay but, but we, we just how with the structure was you know we had very editorial meetings we had outlines uh we really really worked it and 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 george was more of a of an editor not mm -hmm. but more also he, he did write a couple of chapters on the media but mm -hmm. it was just it was it was a collaborative project 
and that wow. we just wanted something quality to go out there. We didn't just want to, you know, play by play of the season. We thought it was more significance. Yeah. It would touch more people. And so that's what, that, that's kind of what we did. And, and so, you know, John and I and George, we've got, you know, several other books in the works and it's just a good writing team. And we also are fortunate. We also got Tom Shear, who's uh, mm-hmm. uh, first voice in the score, you know, a real known journalist in Chicago. Yep. He, he helped edit it, uh, Chili Dog as well. He you know, got credit, but he really did a lot of work on it. He's actually very much in, the, in our book coming out about the last years of Comiskey Park. It's just a, a collaborative effort. And, you know, it wasn't who was going to get credit. We just thought the, 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 the significance of the book and the story was paramount. And we wanted to get it out in a quality way. Interesting, so, interesting. And that collaboration was was beneficial be, be you know i i can hear a lot of writers in their head going i could never do that but those it sounds like those perspectives those other perspectives were were important to to the final process right oh very much so i mean i have no problem with saying i was only a co-author because i only was a co-author but i'm very proud of our collective voice yeah and I how the end product came out wow. and that's sort of there's nothing wrong with that process if you believe mm-hmm. in the story and so that's kind of you know we've got several things in the hopper that the same, same format of, of trying to take a world a wide view of the yeah. story include the sociology politics of the time and obviously baseball is a central theme but it's not the only theme and and, and that way we got more we got more readers out mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. And, and i mean the person who really got it was rick kogan from the tribune i mean he absolutely was blown away with the book and when we yeah. did, a, did 90 minutes with him on wgn he says never had authors on that long and he wanted to do a couple more hours and he had actually it was very rewarding to us he had actually gone through the book and had post-it notes all sorts of things like he had like like 60 different places and it was just nice <laughs> to see somebody that really. He read the book. Read the book, and yeah. never, he definitely read the book. And I can, I nice. can, t- I can tell you that that a lot of interviewers never read the book. That they hold out for, they hold out for the press packet, and they they read they read the the blurbs, uh, and and the snippets, uh, and and the 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 all the the already formulated questions or the, the given questions, but they really don't read the book. Well, he definitely read the book and, and he's been encouraging on future projects. He's been sort of a nice mentor. Wow. And I've always loved his writing. And so, yeah. I mean, it's a Chicago story and, and, and the books are right in Chicago stories. And he just, uh, you know, felt that the format mm-hmm. uh, was what we wanted to do. And we started out with uh you know, the teasing chapter in Chili Dog was the seminal signature moment when Dick Allen in June of 1972 hits a three run home run pinch hit home run after eating a chili dog called from the from the dugout. And, you know, we really recreated the story. Well, obviously, I had heard the story from Dick multiple times, but we had the guy we had the the, the bat boy who, you know, dreamed up the chili batch and cooked it. We had, you know, other people that were bat boys, you know, talking about Dick getting them. You know, we had his teammates yeah. talking about it. And so that was quarter of our teaser and people really liked that. And uh, uh, we even had a little vignette about Keith Olbermann, who's a New York Yankees fan, who was listening mm-hmm. to the to the home run and he threw a radio outside the window. So <laughs> about a month ago, heard from about this and he's, he started going on and on about it. it. It just, we wanted to make it fun. It was, it was for, for, for yeah. White Sox fans. The fans came back and you know, 51,000 people came for that, that weekend, that sunny doubleheader. A lot weren't there when Dick hit his home run. It was at quarter to seven. Wow. So, uh, and you know, I have to confess, I was not physically there. I saw about 20 games that year, but I was not there, but obviously I know how significant it was. I, I've talked with a lot of authors who write Chicago history. David Witter is, is a dear, dear friend who's written a couple of, a number of great books about Chicago history, but I, I have to tell you, it feels like this this his the the history of this town is is punctuated by great sports stories, right? 
I would agree very much so. I mean, yeah. you can go from like black folks like Bobby Hall, and, uh, you know, obviously someone like Michael Jordan or Walter Payton, all of yeah. those different stuff. You know, I think Chicago likes those those somewhat tragic stories. We haven't won <laughs> that much. And, and and so I think it's that hard scrabble living that we have. So, yeah, uh, I think people like those. And, and that's what, you know, we're, that's what we're trying to write. The structure, as you said, has been it, it, we found extremely people just really love the structure uh-huh. of, of having a kind of a teaser chapter and then not just a baseball book, but give a little more perspective and uh-huh. and, and so forth. So, um, you know, I had I had a lot of help. I had a lot of the players of that team that, that went out of their way to talk to me. I only had one player that would not cooperate. A guy named Rick Reichert. He was he's famous because he got the biggest bonus baby ever baseball and he didn't have the career he was supposed to have and and i you know we we talked and i I, he basically lost his job at the white Sox, and he blamed dick it's big salary as part of it and i said i don't care you know say negative stuff about dick i mean my the book's not just a a fluff piece it's a it's a it's trying to create a human character yeah yeah so uh our second edition will have a little bit more interesting stuff that came out of the woodwork you know, once the book came out, I had a lot more people contact me uh, about things. And so that was uh, been really exciting. So how uh, how do you guys, the the three of you, or at least the two of you, uh, you and John Owens, uh, who who did the the bulk of the writing? Uh, and, and as you said, you, you kind of split chapters. How did you guys compromise or overcome those those rough points, those conflicts, I guess? of style i just think it was um done because we were very well very well organized we okay. did you know i met with john uh about what i wanted to do i was very fortunate i had tremendous re- references i had acquired from the baseball museum jerome holtzman's personal library so i had wow. probably the best personal library of anybody baseball author we had all i had every sports illustrators baseball digest that were in the bound books and these were so it was nice it's nice to read the original stuff not go on online and, and really yeah. stuff and plus i had his personal papers and it, we just had great resources plus we had the people who wanted to tell a story right so um so we just basically we kind of talked about what we wanted to do how we split the the interviews who you know who we couldn't get i was very blessed that you know part of my creative team was uh uh, a woman named Sharon Panazzo. She used to be the uh, Cubs media director mm-hmm. on the NBC, and and she was repping Lorne Michaels and and uh, Jimmy Fallon, and she ended up quitting NBC in January of 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 twenty one. And you know she was going on her own. I was one of her first clients. She was great. She helped facilitate interviews uh, with people, and so she was part of the team from that from a uh a, a marketing public relations stuff and so mm-hmm. i think it's just we just communicate a lot a lot was by zoom a lot with my email we had used the dropbox <clears throat> account but it I sounds like you, you went into this project with that collaborative oh yeah mindset it was, it was it was it was collaborative right from the start okay i, mean, I had written i had written a let's say a first draft about 65 70 pages about four or five years ago and that mm-hmm. was a foundation uh-huh. And, we, and we just built on that. And it was, I needed John's voice. I needed what it was like for him to grow up around there and what it meant to him and what the South side was at. You know, I went to med school at Rush. So I have, you know, I know a little bit having been down on the West uh-huh. side, South like that, but, you know, I was a suburban kid. I needed his feel. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, you know, George is a Jewish guy. It was great having his perspective and, uh-huh. and it just, it was kind of a, a nice melting pot of chicago so uh, was it was it passing back and forth the chapter or or was so how did a paragraph and a page and then a chapter come together structurally well it went in the way that we had divided the, the design of the chapters and we just assigned which ones we wanted okay. to do okay so we did we, the, the person was assigned that chapter did a first draft okay and and, and then uh george would give some feedback i would give some feedback john would give some feedback so there was very rarely we ever had conflict it was just mm-hmm. it was just having the dropbox uh situation and and just willing to talk about it and we were just 
just very blessed by mm -hmm. how much of a story that we had and how much cooperation we got, mm -hmm. especially from the the people like the that were bat boys, those yeah. type of people, because it was a very special part of their life. And then, you know, some people that, you know, I had Goose Gossage, who was a rookie with the Hall of Fame, who was not the rookie of the year that word, but he had a good year his first year. Mm -hmm. And he wrote the forward, you know, and he absolutely idolized Dick. <laughs> and so, you know, plus I had such a great relationship with Roland Heeman, who should be in the Hall of Fame. And I mean, he was just really great to me. And and we were just blessed that people knew it was a special book. And, you know, the sad thing was Dick had just, you know, had died in 2020 yeah. and hadn't gotten the Hall of Fame. And I was able to help orchestrate some good publicity in the Tribune when he, when he had his, when he died, it was a mm -hmm. you know really nice coverage. I think when you have the right story, it comes together and people, yeah. it, it's, it's almost like screenwriting that, you know, the screen, you know, films are often, you know, multiple, you know, voices. And yeah. if you were true to the story, I think it comes out. We'll return to my conversation with David Fletcher in just a moment. Now is the time to join Chicago Writers Association. It's open to writers and authors anywhere in the world. Unlock a wealth of writer and author resources, programs, and benefits for just $25 per year by visiting chicagorights.org or click on the link in the notes below. Chicago Writers Association membership, by the way, makes a great gift. Don't forget to like Chicago Writers Association on Facebook and join our worldwide community of authors, writers, publishers, editors, and more. You're listening to the Chicago Writers Association podcast, a resource for writers. Visit chicagorights.org. Visit our website, chicagorights.org. The Chicago Writers Association serves as a resource for inspiration and knowledge about the arts, craft, and business of writing and welcomes published and aspiring authors and short story writers from anywhere in the world. Visit chicagorights.org for details today. And now, back to the conversation with David Fletcher. So bear with me one more time here. I've got okay. uh, I've got some some other details that I need to weave okay. into this before we we get to to the specifics of of your story structure. So Sean Shiflett, associate professor of creative writing at Chicago at Columbia College here in Chicago, noted that story structure isn't intuitive for many writers. Mapping structure is only a couple of hundred years old. Petrarch's Divine Comedy uh, was filled with tension and imagery but without a notable com uh, climax and just a litany of crises and morals. Over the last couple of centuries, a number of story structure templates have arisen all based on the 19th century writer Gustav Freytag called Freytag's Pyramid or Triangle, which we all learned in school, uh, which organizes a narrative from beginning, middle, and ending uh, and breaks it down into five parts, introduction, rise, climax, return, and catastrophe. This is the uh, this is from uh, Story Structure, Seven Narrative Structures All Writers Should Know from the Reedsy blog at reedsy.com, which I'll post in the notes below. There's also the Hero's Journey, a stylized version of Freytag, but without the geometry in, uh, in three parts or acts, the departure act in which the hero... Uh, leaves the ordinary world, the initiation act, the hero ventures into unknown territory, the special uh, the special world, and is birthed into a true champion through various trials and challenges. And the return act, the hero returns in triumph. There's also the save the the cat beat sheet, uh, which is kind of this roller coaster uh, which attempts to lead a writer through this story ostensibly where the protagonist does something heroic like saving a cat uh, to endear them to their the audience. And the seven point story structure, which is very similar to save the cat with a few extra details thrown in. But all of these story structures idea are building on a framework to assist a writer in realizing their story. And for all the purists out there, there was a time, David, when whiteout signaled the demise of real writing. Um, so, so let's get to the Fletcher structure, and we can we can workshop that title. But tell us about 
your structure and 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 how and how it came together for you? Well, I think the structure came together because it was going to be a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. And I think we we wanted it was very important that we had a very specific outline mm-hmm. with the chapters we wanted to cover, and that it was not going to just be a story about the 1972 White Sox and it's a play by play that it was it was people it was significance of what those people did and transformed Chicago we wanted to you know highlight the political aspects because Mayor Daly was a, obviously a pip, pip, you know pivotal character sure uh, in, in, in the story in the city we, he, we wanted to make him a character he's a huge Sox fan a lot of what was going on was still in the aftermath of the Black Panther shooting the whole thing with the whole city with Crosstown Freeway, all sorts of stuff. And just, you know, the rise of Jesse Jackson. So we, 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 that was important. We had to have that, that, that backstory. But then we had to celebrate some really, you know, big personalities that really had an impact that started out with that year. One was Harry Carey. It was the okay. second year with the White Sox. And it was important that we made him the story. People forget that he was a White Sox announcer. Yeah, and he he took a big pay cut coming to Chicago after he was in Oakland, and he got paid on a bonus. You know how many butts he got in the seats, <laughs> and and he you know he made his bonus. So we had to paint him as a character, and then you know obviously we had to, you know a few of the selected teammates of Dix that were important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one was Wilbur Wood, who's sort of a, a mythical character of never be duplicated his mm-hmm. 376 innings he pitched that year no one will ever match that and so he was just the everyday chicago guy he was, a, he was a, you know he actually was a plumber in the winter in elmers wow and so we wanted to make him his significant achievements and then you know we wanted to obviously someone like carlos may who i've become very close to that was a disabled vet he blew his thumb off in the marines but he came back and had a really good career uh, and, and stayed in Chicago. And then I think the person that, that we celebrated the most as far as significance is still significant in 2023. In fact, she's actually going to play on Friday at the Sox-Cubs game, the Nancy Faust. She hasn't played in a baseball game since 2010. Okay. So Nancy was a really huge character in the book because she transformed baseball with the Oregon, which she did. And the most important thing that she actually likes being named more than being associated with Nana, hey, hey, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, going take me out to the game from 1977 is the fact that she had invented walk-up music in 1972. That's actually her, her the, the, the sig- most significant thing from her as a career. So when Dick, came up to bat in 72 she played jesus christ superstar <laughs> and just uh, was very very special and we needed to put that those characters together and how big it was and how much it it's still impact and and she's because of our book has really gotten a lot of credit for that yeah uh for for, for that and so just before he died and when i was with him in philadelphia mm-hmm. i got them two to connect and uh it was really cool because she you know played jesus christ superstar for him and 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 it was just very very special and um he just really regretted that you know he didn't end his career in chicago so that was sort of the you know getting those characters making them to come to life i mean obviously there was excitement about the baseball games but it was Mm -hmm. just this team that was um they weren't expected to do well and he was a 30 year old superstar that yeah. been a, this is his fourth team and he yeah. carried he actually batted in 23 percent of the runs that year and just as wilbur wood pitched 27 percent of the innings the entire year for, for the white Sox, stuff that never be done again it sounds like because of the the focus was on collaboration that you kind of needed to storyboard what ideas or or facts uh, or um, or events that you were going to that you were going to have in the book, but it's but it also sounds like there there was there was a thread there or or mul- maybe multiple threads that you followed through the book, like Nancy, that 
that needed to be highlighted, right? Correct. You really got you got right it right on. It just you got to storyboard it, and what and that's what the collaboration was. It was just you know, we have the foundation, we have the characters, we yeah. have the structure we want to do. Uh, we want to tell what happened in Chicago. Mm-hmm. We wanted, wanted to take, you know, we wanted to tell the epilogue, you know, what happened to Dick uh, afterwards. And, uh, you know, we also wanted to, you know, to highlight what happened to, to Roland, you know, mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. substantial career and, and, and also with Nancy. And so obviously that was a focal year and we had to collaborate and, and talk about those storylines. Yeah, that seems critical. So uh, I, I relate in this way. I'm finishing up a, a book in which all, all, all my all my characters have been dead for 500 years. Uh, but it's a history book, which requires a lot of research. And inherent in that is editing. You have to be I mean, a sublime editor in picking and choosing the the facts and the events for your narrative, right? Correct. So you guys would sit down and go through this process. Uh, of what what to leave in and what to leave out. Yes, I mean it was it was just a collaborative process back and forth, um, yeah. and it, it worked well. I mean, I you know we're fortunate with all the new tools we got, you know, with Zoom and Dropbox. And yeah. yeah, it went well, and um, it wasn't inhibiting at all to have multiple locations because you know basically mm-hmm. I was I lived downstate. Uh, you know, John's in the city. George is in the city. Uh, we had one of our other production people, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Carol Needler, uh, who did our our website for the book, which was really helpful. She was in Springfield. Sharon was out either in either in New York, Virginia, or Arizona. Tom was in was in um, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, be in Arizona a lot, and. You know, plus we had all these fact checkers with the real people. I mean, I would I would, would talk to, uh, you know, the bat boys who were important and, and yeah. some of the, the, the players and team were important. Uh, some of the writers that were that had been involved. Uh, and, and so it was just constantly updating and fact checking. It was very organic and it kind of bubbled up uh, mm-hmm. together. So uh, and we, we knew we had some success. We sold the documentary rights. You know, right away, and we got it, uh, and so you know, they're working on funding on that. You know, it was just very rewarding for me to see that collaboration work. And I think John and I, you know, you when we were at the writers thing, we, we both mm-hmm. you know, confess, you know, we both have full time jobs. I mean, I'm a full time, you know, physician. I'm in between patients right now doing this, this, uh, this interview. But for me, it was stress management to, yeah. to have some a side project that I could relax and focus on you know people mm-hmm. like shock i said well this is something i enjoy to do so the subject of the story is is paramount so i'm coming i'm coming to my book this way even even though it, it weaves through through history uh, across centuries but i i find characters and i follow those characters to to make it more more personal um, because you can go any number of ways in a historical narrative, or that that subject line can become lost or muddled in too many facts, right? I would agree. You can't drown a story too much. I mean, there's so much yeah. more we could add to yeah. ours. Yeah. I think you have to be clear about what you want to say and mm-hmm. how you want to bring the character out and the story out. And uh, and I think that was getting back to the structure of, of our collaboration was our initial outline. And that's in the, in the in the current projects I've got going on. It's the same structure, having that outline, having the, the chapter description, you know, what do you what do you, what do you want to say? And it's sort of a lot like my medical writing, because I have to write these reports that get read by a lot of attorneys. And so <laughs> You got to have, you know, a, a summary. You got to be able to provide the facts that support your opinions. Yeah. And you got to write a conclusion. And I think you get back to that, the story structure. Of, you have to have some drama in there and, and the significance. And, and I think that's what we did. The the story has to be paramount. Yeah, definitely. If you don't have a good story and you don't have good characters, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. That way your story um, becomes very much 
akin to to a novel in which the characters and the places and the events are all made up but those those things those elements are also an abstract to uh to the reader of of a nonfiction work like like yours right right i mean it, it's it's very similar to a novel in that it's it's all facts but at the same time the yeah. structure is similar that's the character development you have to write and, and you know you got to have some kind of you know dramatic hook yeah. of of what it's going to be and you know for us dick was such a nice central character that we could construct this whole picture of sh- what sh- was going on in chicago ultimately he was a tragic character mm-hmm. in that he was heroic but ultimately he ended up failing in that they didn't win the division mm-hmm. uh, bill milton had gotten hurt you know i'm i know that strongly believe they would have won if he hadn't gotten hurt uh but you know also the white Sox were underfinanced uh, the allens didn't have much money they couldn't get extra players like the oakland a's did so it's it somewhat tragic i mean the, the, for me the fact that they were so horrible the year before two years before and and, and they, they started getting better in 71 and then when dick came it all turned around it's just mm-hmm. incredible and and that's it you know it, that's what revived the franchise got fans there it was an exciting time and i think it was just really the first time that just to have a a black superstar and it it certainly was a lot different character than ernie banks he had some some pizzazz some personality had his own show in 73 uh it it, he sort of was a zilkeis for the time and i just think that made it so attractive i mean for me that was for me the attraction as a white suburban kid was you know, I thought this guy was you know sort of uh, you know like uh, a baseball version of Fonzie, uh, <laughs> that cool, and he just had a swagger, and I mean, and I mean he he you know dominated uh, the city you know uh, for a short time. It's like a meteor went across the sky. You know, I, I just had a great conversation on my playtime uh, podcast with uh, with the 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 pop singer Leo Sayer, yes. and. Uh, he he was warned against he, he had a, an invitation to meet Elvis uh, and he was actually the last person to speak with Elvis before he died and and before that meeting he was warned never to meet your your heroes but it sounds like you met your hero and there was a a, a great deal of affection uh in that meeting there was i mean i mean it was um it was not disappointing. It was actually better because uh-huh. because uh, he was a real real person, and um, this became very close to him. You know, so I'm gonna so, start, start tearing up when I'm talking about it. He's just all just, right. Well, the, the, yeah, then then okay, we'll move but, on quickly here, bro. Yeah, but, but he just was uh, very very much more complex than the stereotype thing, and I was especially um, impressed with his faith. His yeah. Christianity was very and in, in, in forgiving. So mm-hmm. the thing I really didn't know when I was when he was in Chicago was how much of his backstory when he was down in Little Rock, nineteen sixty three, and that was the story that 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 fascinated me the most. And and his son and I were trying to get him to go with us down to Little Rock, and and and, and you know talk about what his experience was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that for me. From an American history aspect, that you know, this is a guy that was the first, you know, black player at Little Rock right after the, you know, the stuff with the governor there and the yeah. uh, the Brown uh, Supreme Court decision. Yeah. That historical stuff was just very, very interesting. And then also, he had gotten injured. He had put his hand through a, a headlight, and uh, in '67, and had almost a career-ending injury. And I don't know how you ever held a bat on because, you know, I got to actually examine him because that's what I do for a living is you know, take care of those type of injuries. And it just blew me away that he was able to to, to hold on to a, ba- a, a baseball bat. Those those stories are so uh, are so important and that we're losing them. I I, I knew Robbie Robertson, uh, who was uh, was in the, uh, the, band, right? the the black African leagues, mm-hmm. uh, baseball league. And some of the stories that he told me were hair-raising, awe-inspiring, 
um, and uh, and and beyond description. Um, mm-hmm. That that's why I think narratives like this are so important. Um, so, what's next in in the franchise? Well, we we, we got a couple of things that are in the hopper. Uh, uh-huh. The two different books are in two different tracks, same structure. the The first book is gonna is a it's called uh, Shoeless Joe uh, versus Charles Comiskey courtroom duel in a not so roaring twenties. And what the book is about is about the 1924 trial of Joe Jackson that um, sued Comiskey for back pay. Uh, most people are obviously aware of the first Black Sox trial in 1921 when right. the players got acquitted. But most people don't know there was a second trial and it was in Milwaukee. And the reason it was in Milwaukee, the White Sox were incorporated uh, in Wisconsin. And so Jackson sued uh, Comiskey for his pay for 21 and 22. He had a three-year contract. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great backstory. Actually, at the end of the, end of the trial, he ended up getting arrested for perjury because he changed the story from what he told in the grand jury in 1921. Wow. And so I have the, because of our acquisition from Holtzman Library, we have the entire transcript, 1,700 pages. Wow. And so... So it's going to be two parts. There's going to be ebook, which is coming out, yeah, with the entire transcript, uh, which is never no one else has seen. It's only but only about ten people in the world have seen it. Uh huh. And, and so it'll be really well received as as a, as an ebook because it's it's, it's three hundred thousand three hundred thousand words. Kind of an addendum to to the narrative. Yeah. So that so the so that's the introductory ebook about the transcript, and then there is a actually George and I, um, and we have. Are writing this book, and we have Jacob Pomrecki, who's the editor for Saber, uh, who's a noted Sox, Black Sox historian. And so we, we're just basically doing it about the trial, the significance, it's the start of baseball labor. The the, the attorney for Jackson would make, it, would make a hell of a play, man. It's it's, it's great. I mean, it's a great dialogue, and and it's the start of uh, the labor movement for baseball because this Ray Cannon became a congressman from Wisconsin. His son. Ended up being the first uh, representative before Miller, uh, Marvin Miller, represented the Players Association. So it's got some great baseball labor history of Chicago. It's you know it's got, but it, it's it's set in 1924, so it's the hundredth anniversary. So that's it'll be out you know for the hundredth anniversary. It's the last kind of significant centennial event, and it just mm-hmm. weaves the history of that, and but it also includes what's going on in the world. People don't realize 1924 was a very pivotal year. The same time that Jackson was on trial, Hitler was on trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the immigration bill that came out in 24, how it affected Chicago. And actually, people don't realize how Hitler basically stole ideas about his white supremacism from America. So we have uh, big characters, Herbert Hoover, Hoover in the book, Calvin Coolidge. Uh, so it's all about 1924 and about the, the situation there in in, in in America and what's going on. And we've got the rise of Babe Ruth. We've got Red Grange in there. So it's, it's a, it's again, it's a wide story mm-hmm. and, and we're excited. And obviously the legacy is that, you know, this was the, the ruin of the White Sox. And so they were in the wilderness for 40 years because of it. So, so it's, 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 that's, that's a obviously historical, like for you, because all the characters are dead. Uh, <laughs> we, have the, we have the first, hand dialogue which people haven't seen yeah only time where you know jackson or comiskey were on uh testifying her oath with cross-examination so so we're excited about that and then uh, john and i and 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 tom are working on this book uh, called comiskey park demo uh last years of the baseball palace the world Mm -hmm. and it's about the whole end of Comiskey Park, the park's falling apart, and, you know, and the whole thing about moving out of town, the politics, and so just a lot like the the Chili Dog stuff, we we start we start with a seminal story of the battle down at Springfield when the clock was held mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the whole thing with the funding, and, and again, all our books are, the past is prologue, and mm-hmm. that's what we try to do with, with Chili Dog, is the past was prologue with Black Lives Matter. The same thing with the Jackson book is immigration and stuff like that. And then the, the, the White Sox, the Miski Park demo book is the past is prologue, especially right now with the Bears situation. Yeah. Uh, with the public financing. And so 
One of the characters that starts that book out is a Democratic state rep in Decatur who's still living, who is standing on top of the chairs of the legislature and say, we don't need to do this work. Taxpayers are going to end up funding this place. They're never going to make their money back. So so it, it's 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 an interesting political story that's going on in Chicago. It's about McCutty's Tavern. It, it focuses ends with the 1990 season, which was a, a, a great season. Recently, there's a, a documentary that's come out by a Sox fan named Matt Phelps about called The Last Comiskey. Mm-hmm. And we're helping each other in each other's endeavors. But it's it, again, it's not just a baseball book. It's a lot about the South Side. Yeah. So incredible, incredible author David Fletcher co-wrote the critically acclaimed Chili Dog MVP, Dick Allen, the 72 White Sox and a transforming Chicago with co-authors John Owens and George Castle. Chili Dog MVP was a runner-up for this year's Book of the Year Award from the Chicago Writers Association. And we will post a link to Chili Dog MVP over at Amazon in the notes. Wow. Thank you, man. This was this was wonderful. Is this okay? Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. I like brilliant. hearing your stuff. <laughs> you gave me some some insights and some stuff. So so that my tip is, is to have very structured as far as what the expectations and assignments were, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's, it, I think it's just basically project management yeah. uh, of that. And you, you got to have a, you have to have a good editor. I mean, the thing mm-hmm. is, is that Tom Shear really helped polish it from what George and, and John and I did. Mm-hmm. And we both had a very similar feeling that we had to have the, you know, make sure that how the style was as far as, you know, our book titles were dates you know, and and Tom was fabulous on that, and we yeah. we also had a big belief in that we didn't want any facts were 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 inaccurate. There's so many books out there that have so many factual errors, and that was a thing that we really did a lot of really focused on that. Mm-hmm. And even even that, you know, reading the book later, it's about three or four things I'd change now. But <laughs> overall, I, I'm very satisfied that. No one's come to me and said, you know, there was a fact that was wrong or a date that was wrong. And that'll do it for this episode of Chicago Writes. As always, links to the Chicago Writers Association and to our guests are in the notes below. You can support this podcast by hitting the subscribe button below and by sharing it with friends and fellow writers. Our theme song is Midnight Ride by Dino Olovchic, which is available on Spotify. Just like this podcast from the Chicago Writers Association, which is also available on Apple Music and at chicagorights.org. Visit our website, chicagorights.org. The Chicago Writers Association serves as a resource for inspiration and knowledge about the art, craft, and business of writing, and welcomes published and aspiring authors and short story writers from anywhere in the world. Visit chicagorights.org for details today. The Chicago Writers Association is a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization. For Chicago Writes, I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Until next time, remember, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside of you. From I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by the great Maya Angelou.